Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Uh, thank you for being here today. My name is Isaac. I'm the associate pastor here. Monty is on his way to camp. He'll be next. Uh, he'll be back with us next week. Uh, so don't have to put up with me for today. Uh, we're going to be in Mark 3 today, and I am big on participation, so there should be Bibles out there. Uh, Mark 3, if you're at home, uh, go grab your Bible, Mark 3. Uh, I'll give you a little uh, background uh, to today's message. Uh, this past year, one of the themes uh, for our youth group was, Jesus said what? And if you read it on paper, it looked just like that. Jesus said what? But my intent behind that was, was Jesus said, what? Right? I mean, you all have those moments where you've read through the Bible, and like, did Jesus really say that? Did Jesus really say I should cut off my arm or gouge up my eye? Did Jesus really say I should eat his flesh and drink his blood? I mean, there are some crazy things, some absolutely ridiculous things uh, that Jesus has said, and, and they seem kind of odd. Uh, Today is no different. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't a very good reader as a kid. I'm still not awesome. Uh, And I didn't have a very long attention span. And so I would read these stories by myself, and I assumed that I just didn't read them correctly uh, when I'd read the Bible. And then I would hear sermons on them, and the sermons would take so long, I just never paid attention long enough uh, to get the answers to some of my questions. Um, but as I get older, I have resolved that the things that Jesus said are what they are, and Jesus is always right. And if I don't like it or I have a problem with it, then the person who needs the change is always me. And today's message is in a similar camp, uh, having to do with the idea of family, or who is our family. Uh, so we're going to be in Mark 3, and a little, a little backstory to where we've covered it so far in Mark 3 uh, that we're going to skip over today is that Jesus' popularity is gaining. Uh, People are invading his spaces. He's become a bit of a celebrity to the point where his families or his disciples can't even sit down and have a meal with him without the meal being destroyed uh, in their eyes by other people. Uh, It's not so much that the family has a problem with the message Jesus is saying. They have a problem with people's response to the message. It's causing all sorts of trouble. Uh, People are changing their lives and having their lives being changed. Uh, word is getting out that Jesus can heal people, and so they're starting to interrupt him at all costs. Uh, it's constantly happening. They're insistent, insistent about it. Uh, so his family sets out to seize him. Uh, we learn that in, uh, in verse 21. They seize him, if it even means by force. They're going to just hope to contain him. Uh, they feel like he's getting out of control and things are getting crazy. And Jesus' response to that is that, uh, things are not getting that crazy. If I was doing the work of Satan, then why would Satan drive out Satan? Uh, it wouldn't make sense for a kingdom to be divided against itself. But if I'm doing God's work and you call it somebody else's work, then that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that is unforgivable. And that brings us to the verses we have today. Mark, 30, Mark 3, 31 through 35. Starting at verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mothers and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at the, 
those seated in the circle around him. Here are my mothers. Here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So again, some crazy things that Jesus said, and today's message is supposed to be about family, and that it is. But Jesus' words are directed to his disciples. So you could say that today's message could be applied to those who call themselves disciples. However, it's relatable to whoever you might be. While Jesus is teaching, he gets interrupted by someone saying, hey, your family's outside. To Jesus' response, who are my mother and my brothers? No one responds. Uh, Many times this happens to Jesus' questions, because either if you do respond, it makes you an idiot, uh, or sometimes it's a rhetorical question. And so that's one of those moments where he says, of course, here are my mothers and my brother, or my mother and my brothers. He does this, and there's an exclamation point if you're in there. And whenever Jesus talks in expletives, it's always perking of the ears. Uh, Here are my mother and my brothers. Uh, When we get to uh, Matthew's account uh, of this story, it says that Jesus stretched out his hands towards his disciples. Here are my mother and my brothers. It is notable that Jesus speaks in the imperative voice. That's part of the exclamation point. These people here, they must... Be my mother and my brothers. You have heard the old saying that blood is thicker than water. Congratulations. Good job. And in today's culture, we take that to mean that our line is more important than those who share water. However, this saying got its start from biblical things. Uh, Now, it's not a book and chapter verse that I can quote. However, if you Google it, you'll find out that our current culture... uh, is misusing this phrase. The original idiom or saying went like this, that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Now this is a bit of a, bit of a big deal and a bit of a change, meaning that those who we choose to be closer to us is a bigger deal than who we share a, a mother with. Uh, this was only affirmed further as, as battle took over and people got into battle. Uh, for those where there's bloodshed, there's closeness. Uh, we still see that in, in today. For those who have served uh, in our military and have been on the side of bloodshed, uh, for those that you went through it with, you are still close to. For where there's bloodshed, there's closeness. Uh, you may have also heard the saying, uh, those two are thick as thieves, right? The idea of being thick is the idea of being stuck together. Those two are inseparable coming from the idea that two thieves would have each other's back or have each other's alibi, uh, and the entire relationship would be built on trust. For without it, you had so much evidence on the other thief that you could put them in jail. The idea of being thick together or stuck together is the idea that uh, Jesus is getting at here in Scripture. The idea that people are, uh, pe- the people who we choose to be closest to us are not always our family, uh, but they are closer than our biological or legal family. Again, today is sermon about family. Uh, but when Jesus, who are my family members? It's not the answer we would expect to get. There are several times in Scripture that uh, we find that there are several more things more important than our biological family. Uh, there are talks in Scripture about if you have a family of five, and two of them are Christians, and three of them aren't, then there will be division. Uh, there will be fathers against son. There will be marriages where one spouse is a Christian and one isn't. 
There will be division amongst families because of this Jesus that you choose to follow. There will be times when kids go wayward and parents want them so desperately to follow the Lord. There will be times when kids find Jesus and parents wonder, why are my kids always at church? Families will be split for the sake of the Lord. If you find this in your family, let me be first to say I'm sorry. But unfortunately, Jesus predicted this. But take heart because you might say that your family is right here, right in this room. Here is my mother and my brothers. With other people attempting to do the will of the Lord, those people are your mother and your brothers. So what do we make sense? How do we make sense of these verses uh, as Jesus calls his disciples his family? Uh, I feel like this is one of the greatest needs for a church family. Uh, I know that Jesus isn't directly saying this, um, but if you call yourself a Christian and you want to do the will of God, then a good place to find yourself is with other people who are attempting to do the will of God. And that's not always true for our biological family. You need the church, and the church needs you, and these people here could be your people. I can honestly say that I am with good people here at Marion. People who are attempting to do the will of God. How do I know that the people of Marion are my people? Well, one reason that I discovered long ago is this church is filled with people who put their money and their time towards the kingdom. And I learned this early on here at Marion. Over 15 years ago, I was ordered, remember which one it was, and we were trying to decide as a church how much money we were going to give to each student to go to the camp, the camp we support, Pine Haven. And the question was asked, do we just support every kid that's with Marion? And there was a little bit of silence, and one fellow on the board said, yes, I think that'd be just fine. And I was wowed by this, because I'm a, means I'm an instigator, and I instantly found loopholes, right? So if everybody in southeast Minnesota finds out that Marion will just pay if you go to, with our church or say you're from our church, then you can just go to church for free, Right? And I know not all of you probably thought that, but I did. But what made our leadership uh, amazing is that knowing all enough that that could be a possibility, they were just happy to pay for kids to go to camp. Uh, they would pay for kids who probably would never grace the doors of Marion, and neither would their family. Uh, this meant thousands of dollars was going to go to students for camp with the hope that they would know Jesus. That was amazing to me as a young pastor at a church. It was very commendable, our leadership. But what got better was after the meeting. When that meeting got over, in the next week, something very amazing happened. Five different individuals from that meeting called me at five different times and said, Hey, Ike, if there's ever a kid that can't pay you to go to camp, would you just let me know? I'll pay for them. And I felt like they were all in on it. Five different people calling me five different times to let me know. And that speaks very high of the church that we have right here. A bunch of people all personally to pay for students to go to camp out of their own pocket. It was beautiful. All trying to do the will of God. The point to this day, uh, where we have a church have a policy that if a student can't pay their portion, uh, the church will cover the rest. So if that means a kid can't pay any money, have fun at camp. We'll pay for you. It's a great place uh, here at Marion. And that's just one little story. So I know I'm in good company with my Marion church family. Uh, but let me continue to tell you about individuals that make up the Marian Church. Uh, there are several men of God uh, who are trying to do the will of God, 
and happen to be my friends, my best friends. I would advise against having best friends who are not trying to do the will of God. But I have two very good friends, Carl and Travis, to name two of them. Uh, in addition to being, uh, they are, we call these fellows my brothers. We are thick as thieves. Uh, they are some of my favorite guys, and they do some of my favorite things. Um, but these make me better. When you have a pastor of a church who is hanging out with guys who are making them better, it results in a better person, <clears throat> which results in a better pastor, which might even result in a better church, hopefully. Uh, these guys are godly men, and they ask me hard questions. They ask me about my motives. They ask me how I'm actually doing. They ask me uh, about the things I've done wrong. They ask me, or they let me know when they, I've wronged them. Uh, they are not men who claim to be without mistake. They are just men that I get to share life with. They are men who pray for me. They are men who pray with me. They are men who celebrate my victories. They are men who empathize with me. They cheerlead and encourage. These are my brothers. This is one reason their church is so important. These are the people we get to go through the thick of things with. I have other stories about trying times in my family where you all as the church have come alongside of me, and I've decided not to tell them because I don't want to cry up here today. But this is why the church is so important. At the times that are our hardest, sometimes our church family means more to us than our biological family. But what if your mother and your brothers or sisters are also Christians? then I think you're lucky because you get a double mother or a double brother, a double sister, a double father. Uh, in Scripture, when we see entire homes follow the Lord, it always means good things. We see entire fo families follow the Lord in the Old Testament, and there's talk about blessings to the third generation. There's always serving and fruitfulness when whole families follow the Lord. If you uh, were raised in a Christian home, it's probably worth letting the people know that raised you that you're grateful and thankful for that. <clears throat> the messes that your parents spared you as they tried to follow the will of the Lord is untold. It really is. How great it is that your brother in Christ is also your biological brother. What a blessing. So what are we supposed to do with these verses? The first thing hope, take home is an easy one, uh, but do you have a church family? Now, I can maybe assume, since you're hearing this, that you might be uh, here at Marion and call Marion your church family. Uh, but if you're not, I would encourage you to find a church family. Uh, friends and, and people that you can trust. Uh, people that you can trust with your lives. You can trust with your children's lives. Uh, friends that you can pray with. Uh, be admonished, humbled, celebrated, encouraged. Uh, I'm happy to be part of Marion. Uh, but it's sometimes uh, troublesome to say what I'm about to say next. But if you find Marion, the kind of place where you can call these people your brothers, then find a different church. I know I said it from up here. It feels weird. All right? But if you can't find that here at Marion, find some other place where there are believers uh, doing the will of God that can become your brothers and your mother. Which leads to the next question. Are you doing the will of God? If you want to be part of God's higher family, then you need to be doing the will of God. Well, how can we know if we're doing the will of God? Well, first, I think it's about attitude and temperament. Are you open to doing the will of God? 
Or you just say yes to God one time to get your ticket punched to heaven, and now you maybe talk to him before mealtimes every so often. Are you open to doing the will of God? Do you talk to God and ask him for things out of your own selfish gain? Or do you pray for others and put others ahead of yourself? You might not always get what you're asking for if you pray with selfish gain. So what is your attitude towards the will of God? Are you open to it? If you are open to doing the will of God, how do you know you're doing it? Well, you know when you read verses like Romans 12, too, when it says, The pattern of this world, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I've been asked so many times by students, especially as, as they get close to graduation, what is the will of God for my life? I don't always know the answer. In fact, rarely do I. You're, are you renewing your mind? So if you want to know the will of God, what does it look like to have your mind renewed? How might I do that? One of the easiest ways is to read Scripture. In Scripture, I find I come across ideas that are contrary to mine. After all, my thoughts are not God's thoughts. I already know that Ike doesn't know best. If I knew best, then I wouldn't be in need of a Savior. And we all know that I'm in desperate need of a Savior. So I want God's thoughts to be my thoughts. God's thoughts have to be better than mine. So I read Scripture. And I wrestle through it. I allow myself to be convicted. I don't pretend I have all the answers. Uh, But God is conforming me to his will through the Scripture I read. Lastly, are you ready for the cost? The cost of following Jesus might split your family. At the very least, it will leave some unresolved business. In our story today, we know that Jesus' family is coming uh, to contain him or or temper him, and they're trying to interrupt him. Uh, And Jesus says, here are my mother and my brothers. And then it just goes into chapter 4. And you never have like this resolve. You never find out what happens to I mean, Mary and the brothers are there, and you never find out, like, what happens. And this is because some things are, are higher than, than some things were more important to attend to. Jesus might be being portrayed as possibly being rude or short-sighted, but there were higher things to attend to for Jesus. In Mark 10, it says, in verse 20, 29, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one has left home or brothers or sisters, or mother or father, or children of the fields, for me and the gospel, who will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. The action you must take for the sake of the gospel might be an unpopular thing for some of your biological or legal family. Since 2006, I have left every year on Father's Day to go to camp, minus two years. The first couple of years that I did this, it seemed like no big deal. My kids were little. Uh, I lacked the ability to feed them. It was no big deal. Uh, I went to camp. But as my kids got older, they started to ask, you have to leave on Father's Day. Great answer. Just, I had to. My dad had to go to work. I don't remember what I said. But I felt uneasy about it. And I can remember one particular time driving to camp on Father's Day, and I was grumpy about it. And my attitude wasn't good. And I sat in the same position stewing for so long that I burned my entire left arm uh, out the window. And so I got grumpy on top of being grumpy about my sunburned arm. And then I got to camp. And vans of students started to come and unload. And I remembered. 
This is why I'm here. It is worth it. Not only do I possess a lot of good talents that I can help these students out with it, they desperately are looking for the truth. And so I'm gone on Father's Day every single year. And it's worth it. Another time I was on a mission trip when my oldest daughter Ruthie was very little. It was her first year of life. And I got back from a 10-day mission trip. I haven't seen Ruthie in 10 days. And when I it changed completely. After 10 days of having, like, they change a lot in 10 days. And so I remember getting home and being like, man, I sure hope it was worth it. And I didn't know at the time. And again, I felt uneasy. But was it worth being gone, missing the moments as a father, missing the moments with my wife and raising our kids? I don't think I'm the perfect pastor by far. Uh, and several times my life has been out of balance. But I can, uh, I can easily say to this that it's, it's sometimes easier knowing that it is worth it. I hope my kids know that it's worth it. I hope they see that it's worth it. Uh, I hope they're able to understand as they become adults that it's worth it. Uh, one, t- one of the earlier times here at Marion when I had uh, a meal with Fred Hansen, uh, and Fred told me about how many days in the last year he had spent out of his own home, and he expressed a similar uh, sentiment and said, I hope that as my kids age, they know that it's worth it. It's worth it for their dad to be gone. So there is some amount of sacrifice that you will have to take on your biological family to do the will of God, to be part of a higher family. The sermon series that we're in the midst of is called You Are Not Your Own. And I think when, when Monty originally, and we looked at this, uh, saw that it was on, today's scripture was on family, it made more sense to, for me to preach on this. But very little of today's topic is about your biological family. It's about the family that you have here in this church building or with people who are doing the will of God. But you are not your own. You are God's. You are God's if you uh, confess to him that you are his, then he is yours, and you are part of God's bigger and higher family. Let me close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray first and foremost out of gratefulness and thankfulness that we can be part of your family. Lord, I pray that we would surrender our will to yours, that we would be renewing our minds to discover and find out your will. Thank you so much for that love. Thank you so much for our our families and that we get to call people by choice our mother and our brothers. It's your name I pray, amen.